Hello and welcome again. My name is Jeremiah and I'm setting out over the next few weeks to explain the meaning of my book. I can't do it all, so I'm picking out those parts of it where something happened to me, where there was an event, an incident, which I can describe to you. I lived during the last days of the Kingdom of Judah and its last six kings. I was born during the reign of the worst of them, Ammon, and it was a time of terrible religious decline. But as a child, most of my childhood was during the time of King Josiah, who was a good king. Outwardly, he reformed the religious life of the nation, but inwardly, there was no real change in the hearts of the people. I was called by the Lord to be a prophet. I didn't choose to be a prophet. And he told me that my ministry was going to be largely negative, to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Four-sixths negative, two-sixths positive. Four wrecking balls I was going to take to the kings, the priests, the people and the temple, and then to start building new foundations and planting new crops. The Lord encouraged me with two visions. I saw a vision of a watchful tree telling me that the Lord was going to watch over my words to ensure they came true. And I saw a picture of a boiling pot of water pouring down my country, scalding, destroying and killing everything before it. But God said to me, don't be scared. I will be with you. I will make you like an iron pillar, a bronze wall and a fortified city. And when King Josiah died, I was sad and I wrote laments. He got shot in a battle and I had been a prophet for 18 years. And here on my digital laser display screen, I can show you the year in which King Josiah died when I was 35 years old, the year 609 BC. Now the next king was King Jehoahaz. And I'm going to read about him from 2 Chronicles chapter 36. And the people of the land took Jehoahaz, son of Josiah, and made him king in Jerusalem in place of his father. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for three months. The king of Egypt dethroned him in Jerusalem and imposed on Judah a levy of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. The king of Egypt made Eliakim a brother of Jehoahaz, king over Judah and Jerusalem, and changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took Eliakim's brother Jehoahaz and carried him off to Egypt. Now, depending on the translation of the Bible you're reading, and sometimes the book you're reading, King Jehoahaz has another name, the name Shalom. So Jehoahaz Shalom was one of the sons of King Josiah. Josiah had reigned for 31 years, but notice how long Jehoahaz reigned for, only for three months. He was dethroned by Pharaoh Necho of Egypt. You remember the Babylonians in the north and the Egyptians in the south were vying for power in the Middle East. And at this point, Necho is exercising his muscle by removing a king of Judah, replacing him with his brother and changing his name. What a cheek to remove the king and even to tell the king he had to change his name. Well then, does just Jehoahaz appear in my book, 
in the book of Jeremiah. Yes, he does in chapter 22, reading from verse 10. Do not weep for the dead king, that's Josiah, or mourn his loss. Rather weep bitterly for him who is exiled, Jehoahaz, because he will never return nor see his native land again. For this is what the Lord says about Shalom, Jehoahaz, son of Josiah, who succeeded his father as king of Judah, but has gone from this place. He will never return. He will die in the place where they have led him captive. He will not see this land again. So Jehoahaz, only king for three months, has been exiled, removed to Egypt, and he never came back to his homeland. Around this time, there were other things the Lord told me not to do. In chapter 16, he told me not to marry. Then the word of the Lord came to me, you must not marry and have sons or daughters in this place. For this is what the Lord says about the sons and daughters born in this land and about the women who are their mothers and the men who are their fathers. They will die of deadly disease. They will not be mourned or buried, but will be like dung lying on the ground. They will perish by sword and famine, and their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. Now, now come on, I'm a priest. You know what the first commandment in the Old Testament is. Be fruitful and multiply. I'm supposed to be growing my people by having children. But Yahweh is telling me not to marry, because the future in Judah is going to be so dire. That was hard to come to terms with. And then, in verse 5, he told me not to go to funerals. Well, this is what the Lord says. Do not enter a house where there is a funeral meal. Do not go to mourn or show sympathy, because I have withdrawn my blessing, my love and my pity from this people, declares the Lord. Both high and low will die in this land. They will not be buried or mourned, and no one will cut themselves or shave their head for the dead. No one will offer food to comfort those who mourn for the dead, not even for a father or a mother, nor will anyone who gives them a drink to console them. I'm a priest, but I'm not allowed to go to funerals, not even to comfort people and to strengthen in them in the time of mourning. And then, in chapter 16, verse 8, I'm told not to go to dinner parties. Whatever next? Do not enter a house where there is feasting and sit down to eat and drink. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Before your eyes and in your days, I will bring to an end the sounds of joy and gladness and the voices of bride and bridegroom in this place. All I could see in the future was misery, defeat and darkness. And so I'm not to marry. I'm not to go to funerals. I'm not even to go to dinner parties. Well, as you know, Jehoahaz didn't last very long. And the next king was King Jehoiakim. Let me read about him from 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 5. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, attacked him, and bound him with bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took to Babylon articles from the temple of the Lord and put them in his temple there. The other events of Jehoiakim's reign 
the detestable things he did and all that was found against him are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah and Jehoiakim, his son, succeeded him as king. Jehoiakim was king and he was a terrible king as far as I was concerned. I had a deteriorating relationship with him. He was the brother of Jehoahaz and he'd been imposed on my country by the king of Egypt, as you know. And I, Jehoiakim was no better than Jehoahaz, although he did reign for a number of years. Now, Barak, when he was writing up my prophecies, sometimes remembered to put in a date. And he has put in a date of what happened early during the reign of King Jehoiakim. So we're going to read from Jeremiah chapter 26. But I'm going to start reading the last section. I'm going to start reading from verse 20. Now, during this chapter, I go to the temple to preach. But this is what happened before. Now, Uriah, son of Shemaiah from Kiriath-Jerim, was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord. He prophesied the same things against this city and this land as Jeremiah did. When King Jehoiakim and all his officers and officials heard his words, the king was determined to put him to death. But Uriah heard of it and fled in fear to Egypt. King Jehoiakim, however, sent Elnathan, son of Akbor, to Egypt along with some other men. They brought Uriah out of Egypt and took him to King Jehoiakim, who had him struck down with a sword and his body thrown into the burial place of the common people. Furthermore, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, supported Jeremiah, and so he was not handed over to the people to be put to death. I'm reading that now because before I went to the temple to preach, I knew that a preceding prophet, Uriah, had been arrested. He, well, they tried to arrest him. He'd fled to Egypt for sanctuary, but Jehoiakim had sent his men to fetch him out of Egypt to extradite him back to Judah, where Jehoiakim had him killed. So I knew that Jehoiakim had form for killing prophets. So when I went to stand in the house of the Lord to prophesy, I felt pretty scared. But you know, courage isn't about doing it when you feel bold. Courage is doing it scared. Courage is doing it scared. Let me read now from chapter 26, verse 1. Early in the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house and speak to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the house of the Lord. Tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen and each will turn from their evil ways. Then I will relent and not inflict on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. If you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I have set before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent to you again and again, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh and this city a curse 
among all the nations of the earth. The priests, the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speak these words in the house of the Lord. But as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets and all the people seized him and said, You must die. Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name that this house will be like Shiloh and this city will be desolate and deserted? And all the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard about these things, they went up from the royal palace to the house of the Lord and took their places at the entrance of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and all the people, This man shall be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against this city. You've heard it with your own ears. Then Jeremiah said to all the officials and all the people, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city, all the things you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he has pronounced against you. As for me, I'm in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Be assured, however, that if you put me to death, you will bring the guilt of innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on those who live in it. For in truth, the Lord has sent me to speak all these words in your hearing. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man should not be sentenced to death. He has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Some of the elders of the land stepped forward and said to the entire assembly of people, Micah of Meresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. He told all the people of Judah, This is what the Lord Almighty says, Zion will be ploughed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, or anyone else in Judah, put him to death? Did not Hezekiah fear the Lord and seek his favour? And did not the Lord relent so that he did not bring the disaster he pronounced against them? We are about to bring a terrible disaster on ourselves. You see, I went up to the courtyard of the Lord's house to bring these prophecies and I was very scared. I had to tell them that or I was told perhaps they will listen and each will turn from their evil ways, then God would relent and not inflict on them the disaster I was planning. If the people repented, then the Lord would relent. People repent, the Lord relents. The Lord was giving my people, the people of Judah, one last chance. And I told them in verses 4 to 6, if you don't listen to me, Jerusalem will come will become like Shiloh. Now Shiloh, you may remember, was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. You know there are three arks in the Bible. There's Noah's Ark, there's the Ark of the Covenant, and there's Ark of the Herald Angels Sing. Well, Shiloh was where the Ark was kept during the time of the Judges, through from Judges chapter 18, right through until the time of Samuel, the ark was kept in Shiloh. And the Bible doesn't tell us how Shiloh was destroyed, but clearly it was. And I had to tell the people that just as Shiloh, the home of the ark, was destroyed in the past, Shiloh, uh, Jerusalem and the temple are going to be destroyed now 
if you don't repent. Look at verse 8. And I identify the three Ps that were against me. Who were the three Ps? They were the priests, the prophets, and the people. What did they threaten me with? You must die. However, in verse 10, the officials who are judges, not judges in the old sense of the book of judges, but court officials, they decide to hold a, to hold a hearing to find out whether or not I really deserved to die. So in verse 11, the priests and prophets put their case. Now they had a vested interest in the temple. The priests, of course, earned their living from the temple, but so did these prophets. These weren't prophets of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit and called by the Lord. These were professional prophets who were employed to give utterances, supposedly in the name of God. They had a vested interest in the temple surviving and they demanded a sentence of death upon me. But in verse 12, I was allowed to defend myself. I told them that it was the Lord who had sent me. I hadn't made myself a prophet. I told them if they reformed, the disaster would be averted. And then verse 14 and 15, I told them, if you kill me, you will render this city guilty of the shedding of innocent blood. Now, those of you who know your first five books of the Old Testament know that the shedding of innocent blood on the ground was of great offence to Yahweh the Lord. So I warned them, killing me will be killing and shedding innocent blood. The court officials in verse 16, having heard my defence, found me not guilty. Not least because in verse 17, some elders of the people reminded them of a court precedent. Now you know how in English law, some laws are made by parliament through acts of parliament, but other laws are made by the judges and it has been passed down through the ages. We call this precedence. Parliament has never passed a law forbidding murder because judges in England have always passed sentences on people who have found guilty of murder. And the elders found a precedent in the time of King Hezekiah. This was about a hundred years ago. And the prophet was the prophet Micah. Now, yes, it is the Micah whose book you have in your Bible. And this is the only occasion in the Old Testament where an Old Testament quotes another Old Testament prophet and quotes him by name. Micah had said, if you don't repent, Hezekiah, and reform the religion in your country, Zion will be ploughed like a field, Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble, the Temple Hill a mound overgrown with thickets. And I was saying something similar. Micah had prophesied about judgment on Jerusalem, and he lived. Uriah had prophesied judgment on Jerusalem, and he'd been extradited from Egypt, and he had been murdered. I was pronouncing judgment, the Lord's judgment on Jerusalem and upon the temple, the priests, the prophets and the people, but I lived to fight another day because of this precedent from the time of the prophet Micah and King Hezekiah a hundred years ago. Now that's the end of this talk. I want you to think about chapter 26 and I want to pose you some questions. 
how did you think Jeremiah felt when Josiah died and others came to the throne? I mean, Jehoahaz and Jehoiakim did not mean good news for Jeremiah. How do you think he felt about the decease of Josiah and the advent of these new kings who were going to do Jeremiah harm? How did he cope with those feelings? And then again, Jeremiah was told not to marry, not to go to funerals, and not to go to dinner parties. It was a kind of lockdown for Jeremiah, wasn't it? What effect do you think all this had on Jeremiah's mental health? We hear a lot about our mental health these days. What about Jeremiah's mental health? How do you think he coped with these restrictions and constraints that the Lord was placing upon him? And also in this area of Jeremiah's emotions, how do you think he felt when he stood up to preach in the court of the Lord? And knowing that Uriah had already been executed by this king, how do you think he felt? He did it with courage. He did it scared. How do we find courage to do things scared? Where does that bravery come from? And then I'd like to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. And can you find echoes of Jesus in this chapter? Can you find echoes of the things that Jesus said? Maybe about sin, maybe about judgment, maybe about Jerusalem and the temple. Can you find similarities in the way Jeremiah and Jesus were treated, caught and so on? Can you see similarities in the way they wanted to deal with these two men of God who were trying to speak the word of God to the people. Think through chapter 26 of Jeremiah and find a way by which the Holy Spirit may make it a blessing to you. Thank you for watching and listening.